uh, it is uh, wonderful for me. It's a great pleasure to be here with you today and share the Word of God. I believe that in these times in which we live, we need to stay tuned to the Word of God. We have to uh, rely on the Word of God, rely on the Spirit of God. We cannot rely on human thoughts and machinations, all things that human beings make up in their minds. We cannot rely on the news media. We cannot rely on anything secular. And even those things that come out of the church, we have to be careful about because we want to follow the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Therefore, we teach the Word of God. And we always try to teach the Word of God with clarity and simplicity. Uh, sometimes uh, it may be so simple that you are offended. I trust that you will work through that. And if I should ever say something that you disagree with strongly, don't stop listening because normally you, it will be explained um, throughout the message. So if I ever say anything that you disagree with, don't stop listening. And whatever, wherever you are uh, in the world, when the Word of God is preached, it will always find you. Wherever you're seated, wherever you are lying down, the Word of God will find you and it will arrest you. It even does it to me. So I want you to know that the Word of God is not there to give you uh, physical therapy. It is not there to massage your soul. It is there to get you ready to meet Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm very excited to share with you from uh, a series that I'm doing, a new series that I, I started. Uh, you know, uh, we were doing the series on the church, and this is closely related to the series on the church, very closely. But I'm going to entitle it The Love of God. And uh, today I want to share uh, with you in this. Now, however this, is, this works out, it works out. Uh, Matthew chapter 22 is how we're going to begin and where we're going to begin. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 34. We're talking about first and great. Remember in the series when I was talking about if you want to be great, if you want to be great, if you want to be great, uh, that is, there are certain things you have to do. If you want to be first, you have to be last of all. But Jesus is speaking of this in uh, perhaps a slightly different context, um, but there uh, is relationship between this message and the last several messages. Let us read. But when the Pharisees uh, heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Uh, they were plotting. Uh, these groups uh, could never work harmoniously. The Herodians also were a part of that. They could never work harmoniously, but they got together against Jesus. And uh, it's not paranoia when I say that the world system is all coming together to converge against Jesus and all things God. Now, the Pharisees were a separatist group. They were exclusively religious. And the Sadducees also, they were, they were sort of heretical in that they didn't really believe many of the scriptures in that they didn't believe in the resurrection and things like that. It says, uh, so they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, uh, who was an expert in the Mosaic lawyer, uh, law, rather. Uh, he was an expert in the Mosaic law. A lawyer asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Uh, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your mind. And we're talking about the love of God. He says, you shall love the, God, the Lord your God with all your uh, heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, remember, he asked them, which is the great commandment in the law? So Jesus said, this is the great commandment in the law, the greatest commandment in the law, the highest commandment in the law. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So what that means is there should be nothing that takes your devotion from God. Whatever is, as it were, parallel to this is an idol. Nothing should even come close to you loving God with all of your inner being, your heart, with all of your soul, your mind, your imagination, all of your thinking, and uh, with your mind, he says. This is the first and great commandment. This is the first and great commandment. Uh, and the second is like it. So there are two, Jesus says. The second is like it. It's very close. It's similar. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that is a huge challenge for everyone, to love your neighbor just like you love yourself, to give your neighbor as the advantages that you give yourself, to do for your neighbor as you do for yourself. Yes, he says, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so we see in this passage of Scripture that Jesus is commanding us to love. He is not asking us to love. He is commanding us to love. And when it is my view that when your heart is open, then when the command comes, then you begin to walk in that commandment. But if your heart is closed, you will not walk in that commandment. If you're trying to dissect the commandment and see which parts to keep and which parts not to keep or to exclude, you will not walk in that. But when the Holy Spirit comes and the grace of God comes to you, when the, the Word of God comes, as it is tonight, and you, you can say yes to the Word of God, and when you say yes, something instantaneously will happen in your heart and in your life. I would like to go to Mark chapter 12. We must go to Mark chapter 12. It wasn't in my original notes. I labored and labored and labored. And look at verse 29. I labored and said, I, that I, I always have all this plethora of scriptures. And I'm saying, no, maybe I shouldn't. But tonight I said, yes, I will. Uh, so when, the, when the, the lawyer asked this question, it says, uh, Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, now listen, there's not a contradiction. You have to listen with the mind of the Spirit. And I just speak spiritual intelligence into you, spiritual intelligence into you, where you're not always bucking and, and, and trying to kick and knock and find some fault with the Word of God. I speak spiritual intelligence into you. There's, there's no difference here. He says, hear, O Israel, the, or there's no contradiction. Hear, O Israel, this is the first of all the commandments. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now listen, and, conjunction, and, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and listen, and with all your strength. Everything that you can muster should be Godward. And this is where the church has made many mistakes. You know, I'm always talking about the church, but I don't talk about the church because I don't like the church. I'm not talking about the church because I'm a negative person. I see negatives in the visible church. And I'm not going to sit by and, and not address them because I'm called as a watchman. I'm called as a watchman on the wall. When the enemy is coming, I say nothing. That would be a terrible watchman. And that watchman is worthy of execution. 
Yeah, you see the enemy coming, and you say nothing. Say, well, I saw the enemy coming, but I just didn't want to say anything because I didn't want anybody to be mad at me. Whoa. And, and you know what? That's, that's a, a humanistic disease, and we all tend to have it, even as, as a preacher, as a pastor. I'm not great glad to say something that I know is going to affect or offend you, but I would rather, if I may say it gracefully, I would rather offend you than God. So if you can't take it, I would, I, and God told me to give it, I must give it. That's how the the gospel is. And any man or woman of God who won't say what thus saith the Lord is not a real gospel preacher. Now listen to what he says. Um, After he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, this is the first commandment, and the second is like it. And the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall, not, you know, dilly-dally, you shall. Love your neighbors yourself. You got to love your neighbors yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. There's no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to Jesus, he said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he, or no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's huge. I mean, and this scribes, these scribes were those who interpreted the law. The Pharisees were pious, and they carried out what the scribes told them to do. But these scribes interpreted the law, and this scribe was so amazing. He said, no, let me tell you, you spoke well. Well said, teacher. Well said, Jesus. Well said, rabbi. And because he said, you have spoken the truth. There is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him, you and I must love him. We must have this agapao. We must have this God kind of love for him. It says, the scripture tells us that God is love. And so the love that God is, not the love that God has, but the love that God is, he is now given to you. That's huge. That's so huge. He has now given it to you. And so now you are able to love God back with the kind of love, with the love he gave to you, which is himself. So you are to love God through Jesus like God is loving you through Jesus. Hallelujah, somebody. Wow, that's exciting to me. And so this, this scribe says, this is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, to a Jewish person, that's almost blasphemy. This, this, these, to do this is more than a sacrificial system We're known by our sacrificial system, and it's more than that? He says, absolutely. And Jesus looks at him and says, now when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not there, but you're not far from it. Because there's one more step. He has to receive Jesus as Messiah, as Savior, and then he's there. But he says, you're not far because you're on your way. You're on your way. Now, listen, today... We have a lot of churches and a lot of uh, people who say they're Christian. I am not sure they are. And I'm going to say this not to be negative, not to be hurtful, but to be a Christian means that I have Christ-like conduct. I can't be mean and hurt people and doing it in the will of God. I can't, I can't uh, insult somebody and say, well, they're just on the wrong side. We're, we're now in a political season here in America, 
and there are a lot of mean things said by people who said they're on their way to heaven. I'm, a, I'm afraid some of us aren't going. No, no, no. We, we may be on our way to describe is not far from the kingdom of God, but he's not there yet. And, and those of us who can be mean, I'm not saying those of us who speak truth, but sometimes we lie and say it's truth. Okay, so as a, as a believer, we must have the love of God. We must have the love that God is, and if we have the love of God is, we won't hurt anybody, anyone. Are you still listening to me? We won't hurt anyone. We won't hurt anyone. We do our religious exercises, and we think that makes us Christian. We go to church, and we think that makes us Christian. But we know clearly from the Word of God that doesn't make us Christian. To have Christ in our heart and then to walk out that reality, that's what makes us Christian. And to make us Christ-like, to make us harmless, innocent. Wow. Now, let's look at some more verses, uh, Scripture. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Let's look at that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. In Matthew 5, verse 20, uh, uh, Jesus says, For I say to you, and this is to all of us, the church, I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds, excels, goes beyond the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to go beyond that. Even this man, who, this scribe who spoke well, he, he discerned quite well. But he says, you have to go beyond that. You can't just say, yes, you're right, uh, teacher. You have to say, I receive you, teacher, as my Lord and my Savior. And you can't just do outward things thinking you please God. Outward things are not what please God. It's the inward heart. Uh, it's the heart, the inward part of man. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul tells us very clearly that a Jew is not one who is a Jew outwardly. Because circumcision is not, as God sees it, it's not just something of the flesh. Circumcision is of the heart. Wow. Wow. So unless your, your righteousness exceeds, excels, goes beyond the, uh, uh, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like saying, ain't no way. Uh, that double negative, right? Ain't no way. Yeah. So my, my friends who are in, in England, I hope you didn't cringe too much. The Pharisees saw themselves as a separate group of people. They were above the common people. And they, and they, uh, they saw and they, ke they kept the religious law. Or they just they said, okay, we're going to keep this religious law. We're going to do all these outward things. And the scribes were interpreting and the Pharisees were doing it. But he's, Jesus says, no, no, you will in no wise enter the kingdom. You have to love God. You have to love God. If you don't love God, you cannot love people. And if you open yourself up, you will love God. So all Christians, you can measure yourself uh, by your love for God. I remember when, and the, during the charismatic renewal, it was one of the most wonderful times of my Christian experience. And we used to sing, they will know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know that we are Christians. I think that's right, right? By our love, by our love. And th so this is an amazing thing. They don't know you're a Christian because you say, I go to church. They don't know you're a Christian because you, you have posts on Facebook. Mean, mean, mean. Why is that? Why, how is it that I can allow something extraneous to the gospel to separate me from my brother or sister? I remember a number of years ago, the Lord was taught, was teaching me and training me, and he still is. But he told me, 
to treat every brother and sister, those uh, with whom I am in opposition about secular things and natural things. He said to treat everyone as I would treat the blood of Christ. That was a blow your way statement. And there may be somebody in my audience who says, not so, preacher. But I said, no, no, not so to you if you disagree. Because the blood of Christ covers. Jesus died for that person. And if Jesus died for that person, he has brought that person uh, into a place of great esteem. That person is now a child of God. That person is now in union with God. That person is now being born of God. And so anyone who is born of God, I must also esteem them. And so I esteemed them as the blood because the blood purchased them. The blood gave them value. The blood gave them worth. The blood of Jesus gave that brother or sister worth. It doesn't matter if they're a Republican or a Democrat. The blood of Jesus gave them worth. And if you're mistreating them, you, you, you don't understand the gospel. You are not there yet. I remember my, my, my son, our son, my little boy, he would always ask, are we there yet? You know, we, we, we were driving. You should say, son, you're making my trip longer. Stop saying it. Just enjoy the books you got in the back and play games. But don't say it. And he, we'd go another five minutes. He said, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I think that we need some, some childlike people asking the church, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I know it's somewhat annoying, but are we there yet? I would say to you, no, we're not there yet because we're not loving the, the, uh, the brothers and the sisters the way Jesus wants us to love them. We're not loving them with the love with which God has loved us. Come on. You, you know, a success in an election, you know, whether it's the, the Republicans or the Democrats, it's not worth me mistreating my brother and my sister. Well, I said it. I said it. You, know, you have to love God more than you, you love anything else or anybody else. But I don't see that in the visible church. And, and many of our leaders are leading their congregations astray. I will not do it. I'd rather die than do that. Look at John chapter 8. Let's look at John chapter 8, verses 28 through 29, and also 42 and 43. But John 8, 28. Uh, John 8, 28 and 29. These are very uh, familiar verses to, the, uh, to those who have been a part of our ministry because I like to visit them uh, often. It says, Then Jesus said to them, the Pharisees, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. He is saying, I am the Messiah. And that I do nothing of myself. Now notice that. He, Jesus says, I do nothing of myself. Now Jesus is our example. You don't, find, you don't find another example in the earth that contradicts this. He says, I do nothing of myself. Jesus is saying to us, I am in tune with God the Father. I am, I am, I am divinely connected, and I cannot be unconnected. I do nothing of myself. I do nothing of myself. Those who are mean-spirited and think that they're doing God's service, you are doing something of yourself. Satan did something of himself. The Bible says that when he rebelled against God, uh, he, he was the first liar and the first murderer. And uh, he says, because, and he lies because he uses his own resources. Do you use your own resources? Jesus says, I don't. I do nothing of myself. But, but, Okay, it changes direction. My, but as my father taught me, as my daddy taught me, as Jehovah, Yahweh taught me, I speak these things. I speak these things. Now, I'm going to say this. You know, of course, I'm not perfect as Jesus, but I always try to do that. I, it, I'm, I hope uh, other pastors are like me, and I say those who are called of God are. I stay up a lot of times late at night before I'm preaching a message, and, and I'm up at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning saying, is this what you want? Is this what you want? 
is this what you want? Now, I'm not saying I've never failed, uh, that I maybe, uh, maybe said something that God didn't want, but every time I stand behind this sacred desk, I try to say only what he's taught me. And that's what everybody should do, not what somebody else taught you. What did Jesus teach you? What did God the Father teach you when you were alone with him? Jesus says, and then he goes on to say, I do nothing of myself as my Father taught me. I speak these things. And he who sent me, speaking of Yahweh the Father, is with me. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. We always feel alone sometimes, don't we? We feel like God has abandoned us, the church has abandoned us, our, our beliefs have abandoned us, but he's, Jesus says, the Father has not left me alone. Even in your alone times or even your loneliness, the Father has not left you alone. Jesus is with you, for he cannot lie, and he has promised, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Amen. Amen. So that one who loves us enough to stay with us, even in our ignorance, even in our silliness, and may I say kindly, even in our stupidity. He said, I won't leave you. I won't leave you. I won't leave you. We have a picture of that in Luke chapter 15 where the prodigal son leaves the father's great provisions, goes out and wastes his living, uh, wastes all his money. He had a great inheritance, wasted it all, and found himself in a hog pen. And then one day he came to himself. And when he came to himself, it was an amazing story. He came to himself and uh, he went home. Yeah, I've often said, you can never come to yourself by yourself. You can never. He says, the Father has not left me alone. Now listen, for I always do those things that please him. I always do those things that please him. I always, not sometimes, I always. Every Christian's responsibility is to say, I want to be in a place where I can say, I always do those things that please him. I always put God first because that's love. If I put God any place but first, that is not love. It's self-love. When you put yourself, you love yourself more than you love God. But I believe God is, in this day for we, uh, in which we are living, it's a time of reset and revealing reset and revealing so god is giving us an opportunity to get some things right that we have never gotten right in our lives we've we've made truces with our lives our raggedy lives we've made a truce with them we've raised the white flag saying truce but not truth it's not truce it's truth and we can't be that way we can't be that way he's given us an opportunity to reset and, and he is now revealing who we are. So when I see people acting, quote unquote, what we would normally think out of character, I'm thinking, no, many of them are not acting out of character. That is their character. When you see people being mean, that's their character. When you see people putting on a front for us and then going out and doing other things, they're, they're filthy language, filthy everything, that's their character. See, this is the time of revealing. Uh, my wife and I have, have uh, made jokes a lot. It's a long time, for a long time, and I trust you won't be offended since I may uh, have a birthday in a few days, and um, I will be 73 years old, which um, a young lady called me uh, an elderly man a few uh, weeks ago. She said, oh, you should be so glad that uh, God gave you the miracle and you, you don't have this uh, coronavirus. You came, overcame it because that's very dangerous for the elderly. I thought, wow, I never considered myself elderly, but I guess at 73, I'm elderly. But one thing I've noticed about people as they grow older, who they are is revealed. 
Yes, yes. When you see people who are just mean, they've always been mean, but they've, had to, they, they've been able to hide it. But when you start to get older, you're growing older, it's harder to hide who you are. And when there are pressures all around you and, and you're in crises, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to hide who you are. See, crises do not make you. You're never made in a crisis, but you are revealed in a crisis. And this COVID-19 is revealing us who we are. So when people tell you who they are, believe who they are. Believe them. Believe them. And on all of the strife and the racism and the racial upheaval in our country, it's showing us who we are. That's what it is. It's showing us. Now, Christians should not be a part of that. But sadly, many who are in the visible church are. Now, this is what Jesus says. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And if you love God, you'll try to please God every day. Now, Jesus said to them in verse 42, in 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, because the Pharisees were saying, God is our dad, God is our dad, God is our father, God is our father. He says, if God were your father, you would love me. And I say to everybody in my audience today, if you really believe that you are quote-unquote religious and that God is your father, you will love Jesus. You cannot love God without coming through Jesus. It doesn't matter what your religion is. I'm not going to try to be uh, acceptable to everybody. I want to speak the truth, and the truth ought to be acceptable to you. If you're really seeking God, you're going to come through Jesus. I didn't say through a particular denomination. No, but you have to come through Jesus. Yes, you have to come through Jesus. He says, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself. I love this. Jesus says, I didn't just come of my, of, on my own accord. I didn't just come of myself. I was sent. You know, I remember as a young man, uh, I, I remember thinking, boy, God is bypassing me. He must not want me. And I remember praying when in my 30s, sort of the late 30s. And I was saying, God, I guess you don't want me. And I was so sad. You know, and he said, no. I have called you, I have not sent you. Those that you are seeing, many of them, I call, I didn't send, they went on their own. So, so you and I, I say to you today, I say with confidence, not to boast or brag, but I say I'm a sent person. And I know that I'm a sent person. And I know, oh yes, you say, well, you're not perfect. Absolutely, I'm not perfect yet, but I, pro I promise you I'm on a perfect highway and I am becoming more like Jesus every day of my life. And I trust that for you. Jesus said, I have not come of, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. And this is what Jesus says. And I want to say this to the audience here. Why do you not understand my speech? Jesus asked this, this, these uh, antagonists, the Pharisees, the people who knew he was better than they. He says, why do you not understand my speech? Then he answers the question. I love you, Jesus. He says, because you're not able to listen to my word. That's why you don't understand my speech. You can't listen. You're trying to judge and pick my words apart and trying to make me wrong and yourself right when you are wrong and I'm right. You're trying to make me wrong when I am right. I am actually the righteousness of God, and you're trying to make me wrong. I have come forth from God, and I do everything he says. You don't do what he says because Jesus says none of you keeps the law. You boast in the law, but not one of you, keep, keep, not one of you keeps the law, he says. But Jesus kept the law perfectly. Come on. So he says, you're not able to listen to my words. I'm going to say to everybody in the audience here today, you have to listen 
to the word of God and be changed. The word of God will find you. And sometimes God will throw, uh, Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit will throw down that gauntlet right in front of you. I remember a, a time in the fellowship here when a, we, had, uh, we had one brother sitting on the front row of our church and, and he had, you know, we're a pretty easygoing church. We believe in all the, uh, the Bible, the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, this brother had a Pentecostal moment. And I'm thinking, stop that. I was thinking to myself, stop that, man. What are you doing? But he was trusted, a trusted brother. And he went on, went off, and I thought, oh, there's a preacher from another denomination sitting behind this guy. I want a relationship with him, and you do that? And the Holy Spirit said, don't you apologize for that. Don't you apologize for my workings. Don't you do it. I said, oh, Jesus. He said, don't apologize. What I'm saying to all of us in the audience, that we cannot apologize for the Word of God. We just preach the Word of God. Don't apologize for the Word of God. Live the Word of God. That's the only way people are going to change. The Word of God is the plumb line. It's straight. And if you're not straight lined up with that plumb line, then you're the crooked one, not the Word of God. Not the Word of God. Listen what the Bible says in Romans 5.5. 5. In Romans 5.5, 5, let me share a couple of more verses. He says, hope does not disappoint. So the hope that God has given you will never, ever disappoint you. It will never lead you astray. He says, because. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So, so he tells us that the love of God has been poured out into the heart of every believer, every believer. Wow, every believer. Wow, every believer. Let, let me say a couple of more things. I, I said I think I've got about 45 minutes, uh, seconds rather. Uh, knowing me, I may take uh, more than that. But in Luke 11:42, Luke 42, uh, Jesus is speaking. He says, but woe uh, to you Pharisees. Now listen to what they did. They had religious exercises. They were doing religious things. Uh, but listen to what he says. For you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs. They would even tithe on all of their herbs to make sure they gave God 10%. But, and, and that sounds so good, doesn't it? Well, they're so meticulous. And, I, and you ought to tithe. You ought to give God the first tenth of your, of your increase. He says, and there's somebody who said, that's the law, wrong. But Jesus says, and pass by justice and the love of God. You'll do all the religious things. You're dutiful about them, but you pass by justice and the love of God. He, Jesus says, these you ought to have done. You should have been meticulous about God without leaving the others undone. Without leaving the others undone. Wow, without leaving the others undone. Micah 6, 8, and I close with this. He has shown you, O man, what is good. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Church, I want you to hear me. What does the Lord require of you to get involved in the political process and be just as ungodly and unholy as everybody? To hurt your brother for the sake of something that you don't understand fully? He's shown you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly. To love mercy. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to be just, to be a person of justice, to be a person of fair play and honesty? What does the Lord require of you to, to do justly, to love mercy, kindness, 
Kindness toward God and kindness toward everybody else. The God kind of kindness. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with your God. That's what God requires. The love of God. Jesus, uh, the question was asked, what is the greatest commandment? So you gotta love, you gotta give it to God. You gotta give it all to God. That's what you gotta do. So I wanna bless you in the name of Jesus. I trust you have appreciated the message today. I trust that the word of God has touched your heart. And I pray that you as a believer would be strengthened. And just give it to God. And don't let the world shape you into its mold. But you speak to the world and show the world that you are salt and you are light. But I'm afraid some of us, even people I've known, have lost their pungency. They've lost their pungency. They're not salty anymore. I want to say to those who are unbelievers in the audience, the Bible teaches you that if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. No ifs, ands, or buts. For with the heart one believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will never be put to shame. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. And write to us. Tell us right there on Facebook or YouTube. Tell us that, hey, I came to Jesus today. I gave my heart to Jesus. And on Sunday, it doesn't matter what your last name is. You can come to any service if you came to Jesus over these broadcasts the last several uh, days. Thank you so much. May God be with you.